Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, good morning, Gateway family. Um, as, as you've been told, my name is Nick. Um, I'm the student pastor here uh, ever since July 12th. Um, this year, been here, so I've been here a couple months now. Um, great honor to be here, great joy to be here with you guys. A couple, or a few weeks ago, I guess, um, went in, sat down at a staff meeting, um, and Pastor Don was like, so Nick, have you ever, um, just, you know, in your ministry, have you ever gotten to speak in big church? This is what, this is what student pastors call this. This is big church, you know, if you're in student ministry. Um, he was like, ever gotten to speak in big church? And I was like, no, Don, I, I can't say I have. And spoken to bigger groups of students before, but never, never in the big church, you know, never got called up to the big leagues. And he said, well, have you ever thought about it? Would you want to? Um, and I said, yeah, sure, you know, like someday. And he goes, all right, all right, all right. You know, and he, he gives it a good like four seconds, five seconds. And then he goes, so how about November 14th? It's like three Sundays away. Is that, that's at some point, right? And I go, yeah, yeah, Don, you're right. That's at some point. Uh, and so he was like, well, think about it. Let me know. And I was like, oh, of course, of course, I'd love to, to come be here with you guys. Um, usually down in the, in the onion down there, the big tent, the big circus tent, uh, the big Hershey kiss, as we like to call it. Um, there's leaders down, if you have a student, there's leaders down there now, uh, there's staff down there now. Uh, so it's not going to burn to the ground, I promise. Our middle school service is after now. Um, but it's a great joy to be here. Pastor Don is speaking at a church, at a church plant in Atlanta. Because um, if you know Pastor Don, the, the man has a big heart and he thinks about the kingdom. Um, and that's a great, great thing. So I'm thankful to be able to be up here in his stead. Um, just a little bit about me. <clears throat> Uh, just so we know, just so we know each other. Um, still getting to know all you guys, but a little bit about me. Um, um, I was actually born and raised about 30 minutes from here. Um, I'm from Columbia. Uh, was raised off of. Uh, Leesburg Road, so kind of down by the VA Garnish Ferry area, about 30 minutes from here. Um, I went Brennan, Creighton, AC Floor, graduated from AC Floor High School. Um, I knew Chapin, just be, I wrestled in high school. Chapin High School had an amazing wrestling team, and they would always whoop us, and it was always the most annoying thing. So that's all I thought about Chapin. Chapin's got the lake, and they got a wrestling team that really annoys me. Um, but they're really, really fun, fun to go up against. And, um, and so I went to AC Floor High School, then I went up to North Greenville University. Uh, which is a school in the upstate, and somehow made it four years without getting kicked out um, of there. Uh, graduated with a degree in psychology, and then I knew I, I loved the church. Um, you know, I loved being in the church. The church meant a lot to me when I was a teenager, when I was in student ministry, kept me on the right path uh, away from a lot of stuff. Um, and so I was very, very thankful for the church, and, and I, I knew um, I wanted to disciple students. I knew I wanted to, to work in the church, and so uh, did some stuff through college, did some internships and things like that. But when I graduated, applied far and wide and actually landed at a church um, in Northwest Arkansas, Rogers, Arkansas. And I didn't know what I was getting into, but it was a great church, a great family, the home of Walmart. I didn't know Walmart could be such a big deal and Target could be so evil. Um, but I landed out there and it was a great time, worked in student ministry out there for four years. Um, and then about uh, in 2018, got the opportunity to come back and work at a church down in Columbia. Um, and then now, of course, right here at Gateway. While I was in Arkansas, I met my wife. Uh, her name's Catherine. She was here the first service. Uh, we met at a food line in a wedding. 
Um, I knew her family. I knew that there was some older sister out there somewhere. Um, and her mom's actually in town. She came in. Uh, she was here for service too. And our, and our joke uh, with them is Cindy, her name's Cindy. Um, we're at the food line of the wedding and, and I was, you know, I had better things to do. I didn't want to be at a wedding. I was, you know, the single guy at the wedding. And so I was in a food line and Cindy bring, walks Catherine over and she looks at me and she says, hey, Nick, uh, this is my daughter, Catherine. She's the same age as you and you both graduated with psychology degrees. Oh, look, somebody's calling me. And she turns around, just walks away and leaves Catherine with me. And it's a point of, you know, dissension in my household. Uh, if you ask Catherine, I was way more concerned about the food than talking to her, which may or may not be true. Um, but I got some food. We talked for a while. Um, we ended up friends, dating, all that good stuff. And now we've been married about four years, four years now. And so um, she's very thankful to be here. Um, big, biggest thing is eight months ago, we had our son, um, Augustus John um, Minor. So we're th- very, very thankful for him. Uh, I have an obligatory uh, baby picture that I want to show you guys. So that's, this is Gus. I've never seen him on the big, big, big screen. So he looks like a giant <laughs> behind me, uh, but he's really fun. Um, it's been really fun. I uh, was kind of learning how to be parents, um, learning, you know, the, that dang, I am very impatient. You know, you learn, you learn all the fun things that come along with being a kid and he's fine. He's crawling around, he's scooting, he's moving. He's following my dogs around, which they hate, um, but he's, he's having a good time. So we love being parents. Um, we love being here at Gateway and, and about, you know, a couple months ago or, you know, early this year, we were, we were looking for a change. We are praying through uh, what it would look like, just make a change in scenery, make a change in vocation. Um, so Catherine and I started praying and, and I applied to, to positions far and wide. I, I mean, I was talking to a church in Florida, talking to a church in Louisiana, I applied to a church in Wyoming. Um, and Catherine was like, why'd you apply to a church in Wyoming? I was like, well, there's a lot of things to hunt there, Catherine. Like, you, you need to know. There's a lot of things in Wyoming. And she says, it snows too much. We're not going to Wyoming. And I was like, all right, well, but I kept hearing about this church out by the lake um, called Gateway Baptist. And remember, for me, Chapin was good wrestlers and the lake. And I was like, all right, well, you know, there can be a good church out there. And so I started talking. Um, I actually knew Ben Wolverton um, or Benny Carrots as I call him. And (laughs) thank you. And I called Ben and I was like, hey, Benny, um, I keep hearing about Gateway Baptist. I keep hearing they're looking for a student pastor. They seem to be an amazing church. I was like, hey man, like, can you, should I, should I apply? Should I give him my resume? And this is my Benny. Um, Ben goes, bro, dude, don't even think about it. Just do it. And I was like, all right, Benny Carrots. And so I sent him my resume, started talking to Tag, started talking to Ronald, Don, all them. And I just started learning more about you guys, more about what this church is about, uh, what your values are, what your vision is. And when you're, when you're interviewing with a church or with any job, really, uh, one thing that always goes through your mind throughout this interview process is, is all this real? Like, is this, is this really like what this, this place is about? Is this really what you guys are about? Because you know, you can never really know until you land somewhere. And I just want to tell you guys, I got to the point during the interview process where I was just like, if even 85% of what what they tell me is true, this was going to be an awesome place to be, an awesome place uh, to be married, an awesome place uh, to serve students, to raise my son, all these different things. And so... Catherine and I said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Um, if Gatewell will have us, we'll go. Um, and here we are a couple months later. And, and let me just tell you, uh, when Don told me to speak, he just, he just told me to teach on what I've learned about the past couple months being here. He told me to just, just speak from a place um, 
from my heart that, that I value when I got here. And, and I will tell you, there's, there's a lot of things that are really, really special about Gateway. Um, there's a lot of things that are really important to me and values that I was looking for in a church. And, and above and beyond what I can tell you, what makes this church family so special is that it is truly unified, um, is that it truly does feel like a family. And that means a lot to me. That means a lot to my wife. That means a lot um, to me where I want to raise my kid, uh, where I want to raise Gus. And, and, it's, and, you know, everybody tells you, yeah, we're on the same page and, yeah, we're doing all this stuff. But, but really, um, it's, it's very, very special to be in a place where true unity is lived out. And that's present in the staff, our pastors. We're on the same page. We spend time together. We actually hang out together. I see it all over this church body um, in, 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 in life group ministries and kids ministries and student ministries. Um, I see it in ministries that, that pastors kind of help support, but really it's, it's run by members. There are, there are ministries all over this church that are run by members who have a passion uh, to see the gospel work in men's ministry and widow's ministry and, all, and prayer ministries, all these different places. Whereas pastors, it's amazing to just kind of sit back and say, yeah, do what the Lord has called you to do and we're better for it. And so it's been amazing to be at this church that truly acts like a family, that operates like a family. And so when I talk to you this morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about what the church body looks like and what unity in the church body looks like. Please know, I'm not talking from a place where I'm like, we got to get on the same page. I'm talking from a place where it's, this is what we're living out now. And let me just tell you, this is something we need to continue to treasure. This is something we need to hold on to. Because we all know how quickly sometimes things can go wrong. We've all been a part of maybe churches or teams or workplaces or whatever it may be where things were going great for a while, but we lost sight of this idea of unity and then things started to unravel down the line. Um, we all know what that can look like. And so I want us to, can, this morning, just continue to encourage us uh, to stay unified, encourage us to keep being a church family, and then maybe challenge you to take up a bigger role in this church family called Gateway Baptist Church. And so in that spirit, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12, where Paul is writing to this church in Corinth that believers in Christ, though different, are unified in this body of Christ. We're all different. We're all come from different backgrounds, different places, uh, but we are unified in this body of Christ. And just to give you, to kind of set the stage a little bit about the church in Corinth, uh, Corinth was a booming uh, trade center. It was very uh, hip when it came culturally, like it was the place to be. There are people there from, uh, there are Jews there, there are Greeks there, there are people from all over the world or the world at that time were in Corinth. They were trading, it was very business, it was a huge business center. A lot of different religions, a lot of different types of people, many different socioeconomic statuses. And into this city walks this guy named Paul with the message of the gospel. And so Paul does what he does in, in all of his missionary journeys. He walks into, uh, he brings the gospel first to the Jews and he walks into the synagogue and he says, hey, this Messiah that we're anticipating, that we're looking forward to, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he's in heaven now. And now we have this gospel of Jesus Christ, this, this gospel of liberty um, that we need to acknowledge and we need to, uh, to say that Jesus was all the messianic prophecies 
fulfilled. And so he'd go to the synagogue, he'd take the gospel to the Jews, and eventually, every time, uh, some would be converted, and then eventually they got sick of him and said, hey man, like we're done with you, you need to take this heresy out of here. And then he'd say, all right. And then he would take the gospel to the Gentiles. He'd take the gospel to the non-Jewish people, and he'd hit the streets, he'd find a Christian's home, or he'd find somebody who knew Jesus and say, I need to spread the gospel, I'm going to be in your home, let me teach people with this gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't just for one people, but for all people. And so Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. He met up there with Priscilla and Aquila, uh, a Christian husband and wife who were tent makers. He worked with them. They went on to, on many missionary journeys with Paul. And throughout Paul's relationship uh, with Corinth, they actually got four letters. And what that means is they had a lot of issues. <laughs> they got four letters out of the deal. We have First and Second Corinthians in our Bibles. And both of those letters also speak to other letters that Paul has written to them. So one, two, three, four, four letters. They had a lot of issues, not to mention just the back and forth that would happen when Paul was taking the gospel to the world and he'd hear these updates and send Timothy back to talk to them and all these different things. And so they were going through some stuff. And it makes sense because, of course, the city of Corinth, all different backgrounds, all different religions, all different people groups, all different social economic statuses, and yet the gospel of Jesus Christ went into that city and a church was established. But they're having problems. They're having issues. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see Paul telling them like, hey, we're really struggling around this idea of how, what the church is supposed to look like, of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And we keep having these issues over these gifts that God gives us, spiritual gifts being, what is my role in this church? How has God gifted me to help this body? And what they found was, and it makes sense in a city that's so business, that's so economic, it's good to work your way up the chain. And so you had people in this church from the text, we see that they are desiring other people's gifts, that they're wanting the more quote unquote flashy gifts, um, that they're looking down on others because maybe they're not as skilled or maybe they're not as talented or they don't have the most showy of the gifts. And essentially people were trying to be who they weren't supposed to be. They weren't being what God has gifted them and how God has uniquely made them. And in all that, Paul comes in and says, hey, you need to realize that even though you're all different, you're unified in the body of Christ. And that takes us to, to chapter, or chapter 12, verse 12. And let's walk along and I'll give us some main points as we go along. But Paul says, starting in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members <clears throat> and all the members of the body, though many, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So my first big point, big idea for you guys is just that the church is the visible body of Christ. And so this, this idea of disunity is seen all throughout the New Testament post the gospels. Acts on down, all these New Testament epistles, all these New Testament letter, letters, they're all kind of structured the same way. There's a foundational issue with the gospel. Here's what I need you to believe. Here's the unity issues we need to deal with, the cultural background issues, the problems you're having in your church. Let's deal with those. So let's deal with our unity. Let's deal with our beliefs so that the gospel can continue to go forward. And when the gospel came to the world, the gospel would come somewhere, it'd go into these people groups, and the gospel would bring people who had together, who had truly no business being together ever. And we have a, a world today that 
desperately cries out for unity. We have a world today that desperately wants to see everybody on the same page. And this cry for unity, I believe, truly authenticates the gospel message because we were actually created to be unified. We were created to have peace with God. We were created to have peace amongst each other, but sin corrupts and sin corrupted our unity and it leaves us craving for true unity. And so the ironic thing is for a world that doesn't love the Lord, doesn't love Jesus, but is crying for unity, the best answer, the only answer for the unity that the world cries for is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is found amongst the body of believers. And so when Jesus walked the earth during his ministry, when he walked around, you could see Jesus, you could see the Messiah, you can see the divine son of God walking around in a physical body. John chapter one says the word became flesh and he walked among us. And here's why it's so important that the church is the visible body of Christ. Because when a world looks for God, when a world looks for Jesus and they want to see Jesus acting and, and working in the world today, the only place they can find that is in the church body, is in the visible body of Christ. Because Jesus walked this earth in a physical body and he discipled people. He did his father's will. He healed people. He got the gospel message out there. He advanced the kingdom of God. And when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended on to heaven, he says, now you're going to be my physical, visible body to the world. And that's what the church body is. It is the body of Jesus with Christ as the head, working in the world, healing the world, bringing hope and joy to the world, uh, <clears throat> helping, discipling people, helping advance the kingdom of God. All the things that Jesus did as he visibly walked this earth, the church is supposed to do visibly in the world now. And brothers and sisters, church family, this is why it is so important for us to be unified. Because for a world, when they look at the church, they're not just seeing a building. They're not just seeing a, you know, one person. They're seeing a group of people who have no business being together from all different backgrounds, from all different walks of life, every different ethnicity, culture, social and economic statuses, all these things, the gospel is able to bring people who, uh, who in any other arena of life would never be together, would never do community together, would never live and, and be together. The gospel brings these people together and that's the, the visible body of Christ. And we all know that when the church gets it right, when we are unified and what I believe Gateway is able to do, and we saw a couple of weeks ago on October 31st, when the church is unified, God can do some amazing things through the body of Christ. But when it's not, we all know the pain and the hurt that the church is able to do sometimes when we're not actually unified. So the church is the visible body of Christ, and this is why we so desperately need to be unified and why <clears throat> I believe Gateway is able to do some amazing things in our community. Let's keep, let's keep going down. Verse 14 says, for the body does not consist of many members, of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, <clears throat> I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, 
where would the body be? So Paul set up this analogy of when we're baptized into the body of Christ, when we accept the gospel, we're baptized into the body of Christ And the body of Christ, just like your physical body, just like the body we all have, the body we all walk around with and live with uh, each and every day, is made up of many types of parts, is made up of many types of members, but it's all, though different, the same body. And he's saying the church body is, is the exact same thing. We're made up of all different types of members, all different types of parts, but even though those parts are different, they look different, they act different, they behave different, those parts make up one body. And the issue that he's dealing with in in these verses 14 through 19 is the attitude of members wishing that they had a different gift of an ear looking to the eye and saying, man, I wish I can be an eye, but that does not make it any less part of the body or the foot looking at the hand and saying, man, I wish I can be a hand. Well, a foot would be a terrible hand. A foot's supposed to be a foot. And so as members of this body, we have the gifts that God has given us. God made us all a certain way, uniquely different, and it's okay. And we need to behave as God gifted us to behave. And then, um, At North Greenville, I was on these things called uh, impact teams. And what, simply what an impact team was is you'd sign up, um, a lot of student ministry or people who wanted to be in ministry did this, and you join this team, um, and they would send you out to work DNAL weekends, send you out to work impact weekends all over the state of South Carolina. And so you'd spend like two to three weekends a month uh, going to student ministries in different churches and just running their DNAL weekend uh, for, the, for, that, for that year, for that semester. And it was an amazing time. It, it taught me a lot. But when you applied to be on this impact team, um, you'd apply. And I remember when I was young, I was like 18, you had to do this huge packet and you'd write down all these things, do all this stuff. And then you turn that packet in and then you would actually sit down with somebody who'd been doing it for a while and they would interview you. They'd ask you questions. They'd ask you about your giftings. They'd ask you what you like to do, uh, kind of who you are. And I remember asking the person, like, hey, when it comes to assigning these teams, like, why, is, why do you do this huge packet? Like, why do you interview people? Like, why are we going through all this trouble just to assign people onto these impact teams? And he remember he looked at me and he said, Nick, here's the thing. For our impact teams to be able to best serve this church, for you to run the best D-Now weekend this student ministry has ever seen, it is essential that everybody on that team is different. It's essential that everybody on that team is gifted in different ways. And then I was like, all right, that makes sense. And then I meet up with my team for that year and it's made up of a worship guy. There's a guy that loves to teach. There are people that are more, uh, they love running games and doing big group things. There are people that just love planning and they're responsible for all the meals and and writing the schedules. There are people that uh, are better relationally, just one-on-one, very evangelistic and will share the gospel. These teams were made up with people that to be honest, North Greenville wasn't that big. I never really would have hung out with those people I was assigned to. But as a team, when we walked into a church campus and met that student ministry, we were able to do more because we were all so different. And if we'd have showed up with five worship leaders, we'd have just been singing the whole time. If we'd have showed up with five teachers, those students would have been so bored because we'd have never done anything fun. But you needed the worship guy. You needed the teacher. You needed the games person. You needed all these different people for the event to go as best as it can. And it's the same way at Gateway. It's the same way with the body of Christ. God's made us all different. God's given us all unique gifts. And we can't wish that we had somebody else's gift. All we can do is be who God made us to be because Gateway is better when we are all working within our giftings. Let's continue reading. 
As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, which our more presentable parts do not require. And kind of my big idea for this is, is, is just simply that we need each other to function. We need each other to function. And here Paul kind of flips the script of, um, of wishing you had a different gift to the attitude of members when they look at other people. That an eye cannot look to the ear and say like, like hey, you're less important to me, than me. Or a hand look to the feet and say, hey, you're less important than me. I'm really important because I'm a hand. But no, we need each other's differences. We function together, together when we're all being who we were made to be. <clears throat> I gotta tell you a story um, <laughs> of my first Valentine's Day as a married man. Uh, it was Valentine's Day in the year of 2018. And at the time, Catherine actually worked for Walmart Logistics. Uh, she was, you know, talking with truckers all the time and all these different logistics companies. And so she worked a 10 to seven um, and I worked a nine to five. And Valentine's Day just so happened to fall on the day where I would always play basketball with students. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, it's Valentine's Day. It's my first Valentine's Day. So we're gonna have a nice dinner together. We're gonna hang out of the house, but you know, she doesn't get off till seven. She won't get home like 7.30. So I, I definitely have enough time to play basketball. And so contrary to, you know, the wisdom now, I did that. I said, all right, guys, we're still good for basketball tonight. And so we showed up and we played basketball, um, knowing I could get home in time uh, for dinner with my lovely new bride and played basketball. And when I tell you it was the first drive down the court, the very first one. It was actually the pastor's son who was a pitcher in college. He's actually a very good baseball player. He just straight up overhand, like pitcher overhands the ball to me and it comes down me. I'm under the basket and somehow in the middle of it all, the ball gets tipped. And so when you, when I went to catch it, I actually caught it, but it caught just barely off where I thought it was going to be. And I heard a big pop in my hand and I turned around. I scored the basket. That's a very important point. I did score the basket. And I looked down at my hand and my pinky um, did not look good. It looked bad. Um, and so I run up to my kid's pastor at the time and I say, hey, hey man, I need you to like yank on it, pop it back into place. I wrestled in high school. I'd seen, you know, fingers out of, out of whack and I just like yank on it. We'll be good. And he yanked on it and it hurt really badly. And he was like, Nick, man, I think you need to go to Doc in a Box. You need to get an x-ray. And I was like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. So I'm driving, I don't have my insurance card. You know, I'm, I didn't think about it. And so I didn't have anything. And so I'm driving to Doc in the Box and Catherine, I called Catherine. I was like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Um, I need you to meet me at the hospital uh, or at the Doc in the Box. And she was like, what'd you do? And I was like, well, I think I broke a finger. And she was like, all right, well, I'll meet you there. And she met me there and she's ticked because it's Valentine's Day. And I was like, just, I was telling him, I was like, hey, just, you know, just pop it back into place. Like, it's not that big a deal. It's just my pinky finger. Just pop it back in. We'll be right. And it was weird because it was docking. It was, it was weird because I was there and they were like, hey, like, we can't pop it back into place. We can't show you the x-ray, but we can give you the x-ray and then you can leave. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just go to the ER 
um, and, and, and I'll have them deal with it, right? And so uh, they end up giving me the x-ray. I had it on my phone. I texted to a doctor buddy of mine. I was like, hey, man, like, should I go to the ER? Like, what's going on here? And I remember he called me as I was driving to the ER, and he just said, Nick, man, he goes, you don't need to go to the ER. I was like, well, why not? Like, they need to fix it. It's out of place right now. They can put it back. And he goes, no, Nick, you don't understand. You broke it really, really badly. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, like, it looks like your finger exploded. And I was like, oh. And I would show you the pictures, but I get queasy. And so I don't want to show you the pictures because I'm afraid you would get queasy as well. But let's just say the joints came together and it looked like a bomb went off in my finger. And when I tell you that the next six months of my life were the most aggravating six months of my life because of a pinky finger. When I, I mean, I had to have surgery. They put four pins in my, they opened it up, put it all back together, put pins in it. The doctor was like, hey man, we put your finger back together, but I don't think it's gonna work. And I was like, what do you mean it's not gonna work? And he was like, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's too bad to permanently fix. So I can make it look normal, but it's probably not gonna work. And I was like, all right. And so they put it back together, physical therapy, surgery, months of all this stuff, excruciating pain, like all over my body. I was like, this doesn't make any sense that we're going through this much trouble because of the tiniest finger. Like it couldn't have been the thumb, the arm, whatever. The tiniest finger caused that much trouble. But the fact of the matter is, even though it's the smallest finger I got, and this is a really bad transition, even though it's the tiniest finger I got, even though it's the seemingly most unimportant digit that we have, it still matters. It could still cause that much trouble. It still helps me out more than I think it does. I can't grab stuff with this hand as well as I used to. I almost fell off a tree stand this week climbing up because it doesn't work as well. Like you need every single part and able to function at your best. And it's a small example, but we know this. And we know that it doesn't matter what role you play in this church. It doesn't matter if you're on prayer team, you're serving in student ministry, you're serving in kids ministry. I was a middle school pastor for years. I've, my job was to, you know, make sure they don't smell bad. You know what I mean? But like those parts matter. And so we need every single member in this church family to function how they're supposed to function because the church body needs it. And when one person is out of whack, when one area is out of whack, we all feel it. My final point is that God arranges his church to be unified. In verse 24, it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. <clears throat> if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And here's where it gets into just and what, what I like to say is just the supernatural work of the church, that I can't describe it, that I can't always explain it, but maybe in your life group or in churches you've been at, you've seen this. In student ministry where it feels like I just lost a leader or a leader moved away or a leader went to plant a church or went on the mission field, there are these times in churches where it feels like, man, we just lost that person and we're never going to be able to replace that. And then somehow, some way, God brings along somebody or God raises up somebody who you would never have thought of and they can step into that role and do amazing things. God is not passively building his church. God is actively building his church. He is building it together so that it's unified, so that there's no division in it to the point where if one of us is suffering, we all feel it. To the point of where if one of us is going great and things are awesome, we all feel it but God is actively 
building his church so that there's no division, so that we'll be unified, and so that we're operating at our most, <clears throat> at our peak. And so in light of these just kind of verses, in light of how Paul describes how the church is supposed to operate, I just kind of want to ask you guys a couple things and just give you some things just to think about. And the first, it's a statement. The first thing that I just really want you to know in light of these verses is that, like I just said, God is actively building his church, not passively. And so what that means for each and every one of us in this room is that we are, you're here for a purpose. I don't, I don't care if you've been here. This is your first Sunday. This is your, you've been here less than a year. You've been here 10, 25, 50 years. God has you here for a purpose. It's not an accident that you're here. It's been amazing to me to meet people who have been here 50 years. I got leaders who were students in, this, in, this, in the same building that they just picked up and moved and set back up. There are leaders who are leading students right now that were students here 25, 30 years ago. Um, there are people who are moving from all over the country to Chapin, South Carolina. And I think, how does this person from New York, from New Jersey, from Ohio, how do these people land in Chapin, South Carolina at Gateway Baptist Church? And the answer is because God brought them here. And it's no accident. And so I want you to know that if you're here, God brought you here for a reason, for a purpose. And that purpose is to better the body of Christ. And so that would just make us think about, do you know what your spiritual gift is? When God saves us, when the spirit of God comes into our lives, the Bible says that God gives us these gifts. He gives them according to his will, according to his purpose, but he gives these gifts in order that we may build up the body of Christ. And so God has given you a gift. God has uniquely designed you uh, how he sees fit. And whatever your passions are, whatever your skills are, whatever you're good at, those are there for a purpose. And God wants you to use those gifts within the body of Christ. And if you don't know what that is, Don gave me and I've been using, um, I use it with students, just a spiritual gifts assessment. Um, I think we got a thing of it on the screen. It's just simply an app. You can type it in whatever, whatever app download thing you use. It's just a spiritual gifts test. It's not, you know, it's not inerrant. It's not scripture, but it can give you an idea of what your skills are, where your passions are, where your giftings are so that you know how God has formed you and how God has made you and your spiritual gifts. Here's why this is important. Your spiritual gifts inform and help direct you in asking what your role at Gateway is supposed to be. If you have a spiritual gift of teaching, we want you to use that in a role here. If you're good at worship, we want you to do that. I had a guy, we're having a big Thanksgiving meal for students next Sunday. And a guy come up to me just after the last service and said, my spiritual gift is cooking. So let me get in there and let me cook for you next Sunday. And I was like, sweet, let's fry some turkeys. And so we have a role for you. We have a place for you. We have places in worship and media and children's and all over the place. And in my experience, it's, it's really, really true. And, ch and church guys say this all the time, but it's true. The people who are in their role, who are actively serving, who are using their gifts, those are the happiest people in the body of Christ. Those are the happiest people in the church. And so I don't want you to just think, uh, to put off your gift. I don't want you to say, I need to go get that gift, even though it's not what, I, what I'm good at. I want you to know what your gift is know your role, and then go fill that role and find that role because the Church of Gateway, our church family, needs you there using out your spiritual gifts. And the final thing I just want us to say, um, I talked about how Paul flipped the script, um, and in verse 13, he also flips the script again. Um, Paul in verse 13, in chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong, 
or a clanging cymbal. And so Paul just spent all this time talking about spiritual gifts, talking about the points of them, talking about how we should use them within the body of Christ. And then he turns around in chapter 13 and just says, yeah, your gifts are important, but here's what's even more important than that is that you're loving one another. Gus is at the age now, he's eight months, where all of his toys make noise. And it's the most annoying thing in the world. Um, and we're having to be really careful at Christmas with the grandparents and with everybody saying like, hey, if, they, if it needs batteries, we don't want it. You know what I mean? And so, and so if we're, we can be the best teacher in the world, we can be the best worship pastor in the world, we can be the best tech guy in the world, student guy, children's, whatever. We can be in all these different roles and we can be amazing at them. But if we don't love one another, then it's just a noisy infant's toy. It's just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And so just kind of my challenge to you guys, my action step to y'all, is just do something to tangibly love and serve the people of Gateway this week. Reach out to somebody in your life group that you know is going through it right now. Reach out to somebody, do something kind for somebody. Text somebody, give somebody a phone call. Do something to love and serve the people of Gateway this week. Maybe it's, maybe you've been sitting here for a while and you know you need to get involved and you just haven't really found your role yet. Come talk to me, come talk to a pastor, come talk to anybody out in this four year. We would love to get you plugged in and connected here at Gateway Baptist Church because we need it, you need it, and we are truly better together. But do something to love on the people of Gateway this week. Would you bow your heads and pray and we're done.